Now here is the great, great secret of effectual prayer. Listen carefully. The prayer that gets to heaven starts in heaven. I believe God wants to shake this old country one more time with heaven-sent revival. That's what God wants to do. There also has to be the other side of the coin, our responsibility to share that life-changing message with those around us. There's something in the nature of God that wants His love to be shared with other people. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast exploring the ins and outs of church revitalization with your hosts, Matt Hensley and Kyle Behrman. This podcast is sponsored in part by the Christian Standard Bible. We encourage you to check out the CSB after the show to learn about a translation that is both readable and accurate at csbible.com. Hey man, how's the family doing? Uh, we are great. We are getting lots of quality family time right now in, in our house. That has, but but at least we can all leave our house people. together. At, at least we can go on a walk. Like we went on a, the four of us went on a walk last night, and it was wonderful. See, we we all went for a walk yesterday too, and I was singing "Breaking the Law, Breaking the Law." <laughs> but, but yeah, these have been crazy times for I know Rebel Without a Cause. Actually, Rebel with a Cause. It was called Burning Off the Tacos We Had for Dinner, uh, and they were delicious. But uh, in all of these kind of uh, seasons that we're all in and so forth, we thought what would be wonderful for us would be to bring uh, the pastor to, to pastors right now, uh, Dr. Ronnie Floyd uh, from the SBC. Uh, he is the chief executive officer, the uh, president, potentate, what, whatever it might be. Supreme commander, yes. Yeah, supreme commander. Uh, he is the Senate, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to visiting uh, with him, but thank you for tuning in, and uh, so we'll, we'll get started. So, Dr. Floyd, welcome to Not Another Baptist uh, podcast, which might be just like every other Baptist podcast. Uh, but the first thing we would like to know is just tell us about your family, your kids, your grandkids, just a little bit about yourself and, and what brought you to the Southern Baptist Convince, Convention. Uh, thank you, Matt. I was uh, raised in Texas and uh, came to know the Lord and obviously was called to the ministry, even though I wanted to be a football coach and be a great one. And uh, so that was my heart. Uh, and now I obviously am living in Nashville, and there's a lot of stuff that happened in that gap. I pastored a few churches. I was at my last church for 32 years, went there as a boy preacher right out of seminary, and the Lord just really prospered the ministry, grew the ministry, expanded the ministry, and from that place and through that church, the Lord opened up opportunities around the world. And, and so it was from that place that I served as the president of the Pastors Conference of the Southern Baptist Convention in 1997, I believe. And it was from that place that I preached the commission sermon of the SBC um, in 19, um, let me see, that would have been uh, 96. And uh, from that place did I uh, serve as the president of the SBC from 2014 to 2016, and I also served as the president of National Day of Prayer uh, from that pulpit. 
And of course, you know, the Lord's been really good. And like I said, there's been a lot to happen in the gap. My wife and I have been married uh, uh, a long time. Uh, in fact, we got married in 1976, and we uh, have seven grandchildren. We have two sons, two wonderful daughter-in-laws. One's a coach, not my daughter-in-law, but my son's is a coach. One of my sons is a preacher. And so grateful to God for them. Amen. And your your son is pastoring at, at uh, Cross Church now, correct? Is that he did awesome? You know, I was there as I just stated, just uh, thirty two years and seven months, and uh, about two years before that, um, we started having some serious conversations with our leaders relating to, you know, if something would happen to me. I mean, the ministry we have four campuses. I mean, it's a large fellowship, and, you know, we, we just wanted to plan in case God would take me home early or, you know, that uh, I would nobody in that around that table of those great men, um, no one of us would have ever thought God would have called me away. That was not even on the table, never felt like it had happened. And so, obviously, that's what did happen, and mm-hmm. uh, and we were ready because about a year before that, we decided that if something would go down with me, that God had his person ready. And uh, and so our men decided that. I didn't decide that. But they decided that. And, of course, you know, it's a blessing to know that Nick is there today. Amen. Well, Dr. Floyd, I'm sure you remember this because I'm sure this was a key part, uh, a key memory in your ministry. Uh, when, when you appointed me to the committee on committees in 2016, I'm sure that's a, that's a, you know, vivid memory that my name was. On. Oh, it's, it's on the front of his uh, scrapbook. Kyle. <laughs> it's his favorite. Yes. But that was my, that was my first trip to the SBC annual meeting in St. Louis was because I was on that committee and I've been to everyone since. So that's, that was a, I think you're, you get hooked once you're there. And, and you experience the, the annual meeting. Um, Before you ask this, Kyle, I got I to gotta butt in because my first major memory of Dr. Ronnie Floyd is when I'm about to preside over the BCNM uh, annual meeting on that last day wearing my, my suit in lime green tennis shoes and uh, get absolutely roasted from the stage by, by Dr. Floyd. So that's my memory. brother. Did I bring that <laughs> yes, you did, and rightfully yeah. so. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. What can I say? Yeah, I know. Yep. Yes, that, that I, I dare say that's a first in the history of the Baptist Convention of New Mexico. Uh, maybe the SBC. <laughs> Somebody presided over a state convention meeting with lime green tennis shoes. Oh, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> uh, well, well, Dr. Floyd, as you mentioned, you know, you, you spent 32 years at Cross Church as, as pastor before stepping into uh, the, the EC president role. So just sh- share with us what leadership lessons from the pastorate that, that you learned are helping you lead the SBC in, in these days or lead the executive committee? Well, thank you. Uh, great question, Kyle. I, I think that one of the things you do when you're a pastor especially when you're a pastor of a long-term church like that, um, you learn how to surf the waves of change. And uh, the pastor who can stay somewhere long and effectively um, and successfully, you have to learn the value 
of being able to surf the the waves of ministry change because boy did they change they just kept changing and they're still changing uh, that's really where the southern Baptist convention is nothing stays the same too long um, so that was a wonderful lesson there in relationship to just teaching me how to deal with people and how to understand the environments around me in order to make the right decisions. Um, I believe anytime you, you're a pastor, if you're going to be effective, you've got to be disciplined. And, uh, you know, no one is there at the office typically or in your home if you office at home um, with, you know, a whip, and they're going to whip you into sermon preparation, and they're going to whip you into uh, doing certain things. You've got to go do this. Well, you know, it's not like that when you're a pastor. And really, the smaller the church, and I serve them all sizes, um, it's, it's a challenge. It doesn't matter who you are. But listen, it, it takes discipline. Discipline is one of the greatest lessons that I've ever learned. And I learned it uh, in the pastorate, but while I was in seminary, um, all that, that, that master's and doctorate level, along with pastoring full-time, uh, having small children, uh, driving back um, back and forth to Fort Worth four days a week when we didn't have online education. We didn't have online. And, you know, you what we did, we would drive 15 miles to get in the car with four of the preachers and drive up to Fort Worth. And so, you know, it's a, it a different day than today. And so with that, you learn the discipline of that, because how do you keep your walk with God fresh? How do you keep your preaching fresh? How do you, how do, you do the disciplines of the Christian life? How do you take care of a church? How do you do all the hospital visitation? How do you do all that in different cities? And yet you live away from the seminary while you do that. All, that, all those years, it was a grind but boy, I tell you what, I was able to do a lot um, because of that, and I'm able to do a lot today because of that. So the discipline, but I, I really think overall the main thing, above all to me, is, is, the, is the depth and the width and the breadth of being able to be committed to the great commission of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Lord just set my sails, even as a, as a boy preacher, towards uh, touching the world with the gospel. And uh, either we believe this stuff or we don't believe it. And I choose to believe it. And I believe every person needs to hear. Everybody needs an opportunity. Everybody deserves the response moment. And uh, we need to do everything we can to move as many people as we can to know the Lord Jesus Christ, even in the day in which we live. Yeah. And, and that was something that stuck out to me with Vision 2025, is it, it was clearly uh, driven and, and led obviously by, by God, but, but it revealed a, a pastor's heart, uh, that we can do more together as we work together to ultimately advance the kingdom here and, and around the globe. And, and so when I was looking through those, those five things, I was thinking through a lot of this is very, uh, very similar to just some struggles that we have in our church, you know, the age groups of reaching some of those young uh, teens and so forth, and 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 getting them into the church and, and discipled and, and so forth. That I was reading that to say this this was written and put together, uh, obviously by a team led by God. All of that, 
but it had a pastor's heartbeat very clearly behind it. And, and I just wanted to see if you would be willing to share a little bit about your, your vision 2025. I know right now <laughs> we've got kind of vision, uh, what is today, uh, March 25th. We're only focusing on getting by today. Uh, but, but let's scan back a little bit and, uh, and offer kind of your, your vision 2025 uh, for what's to come in the next couple I, of years. I came to lead here, uh, Matt and Kyle, I came to lead here full-time uh, on May the 20th. Uh, of last year, so I've been here ten months now, and um, and in this, within a month, I began to work immediately on really trying to bring forward a unified Great Commission vision uh, where every church could buy into it. No matter if they run twenty five, they run twenty five thousand. Uh, every pastor could grasp it. Uh, it'd be where his heart is. Um, I always said, you know, it needs to be a vision that's on a postcard. We don't do postcards anymore, but we do it right here called a phone. And, you know, in fact, my face on my phone is Vision 2025 and the five goals related. And uh, with that, that's what we have to do. And what I tried to do is to say, okay, what is what is our commission? What is the commission? Well, I, be I believe deeply when you put all – the Great Commission passages together uh, throughout the New Testament, uh, and you, you look especially from the Gospels and the Book of Acts, you come down to this, that, that, that we are called to reach every person for Jesus Christ in every town, every city, every state, and uh, every nation, and every, and, and every nation. And so all those things are in the Scripture, reaching our towns, reaching our cities, reaching our nation, our, our, our states and reaching our nation. I mean, that's just so huge and the nations of the world. And so those things just really motivated me. And so how do we do that? And so I worked with Paul Chitwood at the IMB. I worked with Kevin Ezell at the uh, North American Mission Board. I consulted with a lot of pastors. I mean, I, I talked to a lot of pastors and all that. And uh, we learned many things there. I have a personal passion always to reach teenagers. I always have. And, uh, and then I have a personal passion to call out the call. And we have people all over the world serving. And uh, that's one of the real needs. And then, of course, one of my assignments here uh, in my role as president of the SBC EC is, 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 the, is the ability to promote the world mission vision of the Southern Baptist Convention and funding that through what we call the cooperative program. Well, I, I literally promote all of that. Plus, I promote Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering for international missions. I promote the North, the uh, North American uh, missions offering, which is Annie Armstrong. Um, and I do everything I can in all that. And last year, between those three venues, we received $682 million from our churches. And so our churches are pretty committed. You know, people say all the time, Matt, and uh, Kyle, they say, well, you know, the SBC's sick. It's lost this. It's lost that. Well, I, I get. There are times we act sick. There are times we are sick. And there are times we're just not healthy. But there, there are some amazing churches out here from the middle of nowhere to the middle of our cities who evidently believe in reaching the world. And last year, they gave $682 million to do that through those three venues. And we need to celebrate that. You add all that we do through the rest of our giving, 
through various things that go on in colleges and universities and seminaries and endowments. There's no telling what our people get. They may give a close to a billion dollars through, uh, through that. And so, but how does that happen? It happens. It doesn't matter what the gift is. It's a matter of when a lot of people are given to the same thing, you can make a major difference for Jesus Christ. And we were really praying that Vision of 2025 could be that moment that unity could come. Now, that occurred, um, and we had it all ready to go to the SBC this year uh, to be adopted. Then coronavirus set in. SBC was canceled. Uh, uh, when we're doing this podcast, it, is that SBC was canceled yesterday. Um, and uh, with that, um, we now have a new challenge. So what do we do? This is a great lesson for a pastor. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do we do? Do we just act like, no, it's mine. I'm going to just go. We're just going to go forward. Well, no, you can't do that. you got to stop. you got to ask what God's doing. You have to understand your new reality. Because if you don't, we don't know what the new reality post-coronavirus is. It, it may be really bad. It may be bad. It may be not near as bad as anybody thought it was going to be. Uh, and or it may be good because God's going to use a lot of this stuff that everybody's having to do now. He's not going to use it for waste. He's going to use it for his glory. And so with that, we may see great explosions out here. We don't, we don't fully know yet, but, but, but we have to understand what that reality is. So if we need to reset those, those marks in that vision, then we reset them. And if we have to realign the SBC to that in relationship to getting that done, then we'll have to do that. But, but the ultimate is we have to we have, to have a, a, a commitment to a new future that God wants. And, and, and you know, as again, I want to go back to the pastorate. Every pastor goes through that. He has what we called years ago the death of the dream and the vision. We have a vision. You know, I've had a little bit of that death over the last few days. Uh, not because I believe the vision's death. Uh, I don't believe that at all. But, but the timing is challenged. And now we're going to have to rethink all that. But I'm not worried about that. It's just that, you know, I want to get it done. And, uh, but you know what? God knows that. And it's his vision, I really believe, because it's a great commission vision. And he's going to get it done with us or without us. I prefer we're with him in it. Yeah. You mentioned the uh, cancellation of the SBC annual meeting, which, which is a big deal. Um, hasn't been done in 75 years, and I think that that was the only time in, in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention that it was canceled. Uh, obviously, that, that's a decision that had a lot of moving parts, and, and a lot of, lot of entities were involved in that. And, and I know there's been some chatter online of, you know, uh, uh, for the most part, very supportive. I, th- I think most of us realize, hey, this was, we're, we're living in very unique days. But I've seen some questions too, you know, why didn't they wait another month? Why, why cancel it uh, two and a half months, months out? Why not? Why not give it another month and just see how things kind of play out? Um, and so just walk us through, uh, I mean, obviously, I know there was a lot of things involved in that. Walk us through maybe in five minutes <laughs> the process that led to that decision yesterday. Yeah, well, your, your, uh, your evaluation is very keen, uh, Kyle. I, I want to say that to you. And uh, I would say that the, the, the thing that I really wanted to do personally was to try to wait until Easter what you know where are we going to be at easter because that's about that's about two months away 
and I wanted to try to get to Easter if at all possible um, in that. But at the same time, it became more and more clearly the last week that we had a decision that it didn't matter whether or not we put it off or not. Um, you know, we were going to have a hard time. Um, you know, we, we believed, and again, this is part of the, the disappointment. And I, and I have to confess, I'm disappointed. You know, I didn't come here because I wanted to cancel the annual meeting. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we are made for. I mean, that's what we, that's what one of the major things that I do. Um, but at the same time, you know, it just became really clear with the tenor of the country, the unknowns, the uncertainty, um, the, the travel bans already happening, uh, the financial challenges that we don't know the downside of this yet. We don't, we don't know that. I, I, I don't think it's going to – I hope it's not as bad as what people think it might be, but we don't know that. But you, the closer you get in uh, to an event that size – and I was going to say a moment ago, and I forgot to say it, but I want to say it while I got it on my mind now. We really believe we were going to have the largest Southern Baptist Convention in over a decade. Uh, I mean, we already had numbers to prove that we believe that. And uh, we were looking for crowds of messengers, around 12,000. Uh, we were looking for another 6,000 or so people to be visitors to the SBC, meaning people who come in and do various things at that that are not registered messengers. And so we deeply were convinced it was right. Um, but about, about a month ago, we started to get concerned. Two weeks ago, we got really concerned. Uh, a week ago, it just became really, really apparent. We really had little to no choice. It seemed to be inevitable. Um, and it's not that the Southern Baptist Convention can't cancel that and it stop our work but it does affect our work. Uh, we don't know the downside of not having the people together. We don't know the downside of not having a family together. We need our family together. Mm -hmm. You guys that are pastoring right now, I've been preaching in the same church for two weeks. I preached my third time uh, in three weeks at that church, and I've been preaching to a camera. And there, you know, that all is cool one time, but I've done that for years. <laughs> You know, and that's, you know, the church is not made to be in isolation. Yeah. I mean, and, and, we're, we're, we need each other. And, uh, and we need to, you know, as a communicator, as pastor, you, you, you have to feel that congregation. You have to, you have to sense what, what God's doing when you're in the midst, when you're behind that camera, uh, you know, you, and you are, you're seeing that camera and it's, I, you can't tell that unless you have this, you know, amazing ability. You can sense a flow, but you don't know. Yeah. And so with that, it's a real challenge. And so it became inevitable. It's a very complex process to do. And so we came to that decision. It was all verified and confirmed yesterday with a unanimous executive committee vote of 77 to zero, a unanimous uh um, consent from the officers and and uh, from the the uh, heads of those boards and uh, institutions that have the voting powers in that. And so, you know, now we have to figure it out. Okay, so do we wait until a year from now to wait uh, to to meet again? Uh, really, 14, 15 months. Uh, we got a lot to do. 
You know, there are things that, that we, we could do, or do we consider having a special meeting that uh, is permitted in the Constitution that could be called to do the business of the convention, uh, perhaps in a day, if we would choose to do that, uh, over the course of a day, and um, just make it known, and who can come can come, and if you can't come, fine. That's the way the convention is every year anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, those who want to come, they come, and those who can't, can't. And uh, so uh, those, are the kind of, those are the kind of deliberations we'll have, and even right now with the coronavirus outbreak, and the uncertainty of everything, we don't really feel we could even have a real serious conversation about that until, you know, maybe the end of June, early July. And if you don't make the call pretty quick after that, before all the state conventions get started, then you really, you know, you, then there is no call to make. Um, so that's kind, of a, that's kind of a challenge. I'll go anywhere you want to go in that. I mean, that's, it's deep. It stays deep. It's just deep. <laughs> and, and I think that's every, every pastor that's tuning in and, and every pastor within our uh, denomination or, or within our convention and, and outside, everybody's navigating these, these same things. And one of the, one of the points that I liked in, in uh, Pastor Greer's, uh, you know, re response on the whole cancellation was was how we also now have some some funds perhaps in our churches that can meet some of the needs that that aren't going to decrease. I continue to tell our folks the needs in our community. The, the about the only thing I'm certain of right now. I don't know when this thing's going to be over. The only thing I'm certain of is that God's on the throne, and the needs in our community are going to increase right now, not decrease. And so I've encouraged our folks to continue to to give because those needs are going to come and they're going to come fast. And, and so this allows some churches to, to pivot to maybe uh, help in some of those areas. Uh, quick, quickly, what, what would you think would be some driving keys to pastoring in a pandemic? Yeah. I know you have so much experience doing that. Uh, we're all learning together, <laughs> but you have wisdom from, from many years of, of crises of various kinds. What have maybe you learned over the years that could help pastors uh, dealing with this pandemic together. Well, thank you, uh, Matt. I think that in any crisis, uh, the most important thing you can do is communicate. Um, you, you've got to communicate with your leaders constantly. Uh, no, it's not going to be inside of a room. It's not going to be in a small group room. It's not going to be in an office setting. It's going to be the kind of thing we're doing today. You seeing me, me seeing you. Uh, you hearing me, me hearing you. And, but you know what? We're communicating. Now, could we communicate better if I came to New Mexico to see you and sat down in your house and uh, we had a cup of coffee together? Yeah, we could, we could communicate maybe a little better, but it's not going to be the end result was not going to be impacted uh, in a much greater way. Um, but we have to take what we have at our fingertips and we've got to go do it. And if I were pastoring in the pandemic at the present, and I am pastoring in some ways in the pandemic, is that I found that communication is key. And I would have my leaders on the phone with me, my leaders on Skype with me, my leaders on a Zoom with me, which is what I'm doing now with leaders all over the SBC. And, uh, and I deeply believe in that. And so, you know, you do it. We're, you know, we have a staff, a very small staff at the exec committee. My, my church staff at Cross Church was uh, a lot larger, four or five times larger than what I have at, 
at the executive committee, but I can tell you right now, that leadership staff, we, we, we meet every morning uh, by Zoom ever since this crisis started about two weeks ago, uh, with the exceptions of the weekend, even though we met some this past weekend at night because we knew what was looming before us. It was like just creeping in, and we were going to be forced to do this decision. And, you know, it was like tough um, but, 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 and grueling. But you've got to, you've got to communicate. You've got to, you've got to understand where the bottom is when this is over. And the bottom, I don't mean that to be negative. You're just going to have to understand what the bottom is. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to know what the floor is. If there's a new adjustment and we would count it as a pastor to be a negative adjustment, then you're going to have to reset your organization accordingly. That may mean you might have to make a budget cut. That may mean that, you know, you may not have this or you may not have that. But you know what? I don't think, I know it's going to be devastating to some, but I don't think it's going to be overall devastating unless it comes back to duration. We don't know how long the duration is. If the duration would be two months at a church, that's going to affect. Right now, I talked to a church earlier today, and I mean, their offerings are up the last two weeks because people aren't going on spring break, and they're tuning in, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so that's good news. Maybe they're more like that. Maybe they can make up for some of the other. Uh, but for churches that have the extra opportunity to bless others, find those churches in your community or in your association, uh, in your state, and help them. If you know of a church plant somewhere that maybe it's in another part of the, of the country and you can help them, help doesn't have to be defined by multiple thousands of dollars. Help sometimes is a phone call. Help sometimes is, hey, I'm going to send, you know, $100 to you or $500 to you. It doesn't have to be in large sums of money that we often think of. That we, 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 we can't deliver everybody. You know, we, we've been asked, uh, here in the last 24 hours. Well, why don't we take all that money the convention is not going to spend this year on convention matters and, and y'all help pastors. Listen, if I can help a pastor, we won't help pastors. But here's the bottom line. We're going to lose money from canceling the convention. Uh, and so, you know, that's the challenge we have in relationship to that. But I know there will be churches that will come alongside of the churches because pastors love pastors and pastors love churches. And you know, and I know that 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 we would do that if we knew there was a need, even if it cost us when we didn't have anything, we would do it. Yeah. Well, Dr. Floyd, as we wrap up here, uh, we've we've covered some heavy things, so so let's end on a light note here. Uh, as we shared before, we we kind of like to when we're visiting with with seasoned pastors, uh, guys that have been preaching. Did for you a just while. call Ronnie Floyd no, old? No, he, is that what you did? He, no, what, that's what I'm I saying heard. is he he served at the same church for 32 years. That is that is seasoned okay. leadership. And, and now, now anybody who's been preaching for a while probably has a, a couple of embarrassing moments or a couple of uh, you know things that you said in in. Uh, on accident or something like that. So we always like to ask preachers, what is your most embarrassing moment in the pulpit that you're willing to share? Yeah, well, that would be true, the one they're willing to share. <laughs> it would also be interesting to see if you had my staff team from Cross Church in the room and asked them that. Uh, you know, but they're not here. We're going to act like they're no longer existent because I'm not there anyway, so it doesn't really matter. 
Um, I, I go back to when I was uh, first surrendered to preach. I was a young, a young preacher, obviously. Uh, I was still in high school, and I was preaching over my grandmother's church. And, you know, it, I remember that well because, you know, you just imagine you walk into church, and you're going to be the preacher of the morning, and, and your grandmother's church, and everybody's talking to her. Oh, it's your grandson, you know, all that stuff. And so, and you know, when you're, when you're young and when you don't know anything, you think you're pretty good. And I thought I was probably pretty good. And I got on a roll one time and this is not horrible, but I got on a roll in the middle of it. And I meant to say, Jesus saves. And I said, Jesus shaves. And I mean, the whole church just came unglued. And I had been pulled enough to even know how was I supposed to respond to that? <laughs> I look like an idiot, and they're all laughing at me. And so, what did I do? I laughed to myself, and that's what you do when you, uh, yeah. you. You, it's hard to cover up a blunder if it's really a blunder, and other people notice. Sometimes you just need to stop and just enjoy the moment with your people. Yeah, and they see the real side of who you are. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you, Dr. Floyd. We know you are a very uh, busy man, especially the last couple of days, and, and uh, you stay busy. I think both of us are somebody that gets up at uh, well before the sun gets up, uh, but we're thankful that you took the time to uh, visit with us. We will continue to pray for you in the coming uh, days and weeks and months ahead, and, uh, and we are grateful for the work you're doing and encourage all of our listeners uh, to, to stay tuned uh, to what's coming and continue to pray for Dr. Floyd and his ministry there at the SBC. Thank you very much, Matt, and thank you, Kyle. This podcast has been sponsored in part by the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. There are a lot of great things happening on Seminary Hill, and so we encourage you to find out all about them at swibbits.edu after this short clip by Roy Fish. Again, that is swbts.edu. Have a great day, and God bless. Without Jesus, are lost. And they're not only lost, but they're in danger of being eternally lost. The fact that people are going to be in hell if they don't somehow come into saving faith.